already looked at council culture this past Wednesday night. And this coming Wednesday night, it will be on spiritual famine. You just will not want to miss this. Spiritual famine. Amos tells us that there will be a spiritual famine, not a famine of bread and a thirst for water, but of hearing what? The word of God. And David Jeremiah deals with this uh, this coming Wednesday night. We ask you to be here, if you will, at least uh, <clears throat> at 7 o'clock. And uh, we go for one hour, 7 to 8, and we incorporate other things into that uh, night. So we encourage you to be here. Well, I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning. And of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins. And I won the victory. Now I wish I had somebody to play that for me. And I wish I had somebody to help me sing that if you know the song and you can sing you're welcome on the platform with me oh victory in Jesus my savior forever he sought me and David he bought me with his redeeming with his redeeming blood he loved me And all my love is due. What did he do? He plunged me to victory beneath the You know, I heard about. Did you hear about it too? His healing. Yes, I did. Of his cleansing power. Let me say that again. Well, I heard about his healing. Of his cleansing power. How he made the lame to walk again. He made the lame to walk again. 
and he calls the blind to see. Are you with us? Are you on board? Amen. Then here we go. And then I cried, dear Jesus. I cried. How long has it been since you've cried, dear Jesus? Hallelujah. Oh, God. I mean, really cried out to him. Been in that place where his secret before the Lord, that private place, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Most of you know it. Stand with me, sing it. Oh, victory. Jesus, my Savior, forever will He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. Will He love me ere I knew Him and all my love is due Him. Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I'm glad it didn't start there, the songwriter, Mr. Bartlett. But he says it this way. Well, I heard about a mansion. Somebody ought to be shouting about that. He is built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond, beyond the crystal, the crystal sea. About the angels that old redemption story and some sweet day and some sweet day and some sweet day I'll sing up there somebody shout amen the songs of Victor. Now we're going to sing it Pentecostal wise. Come on, crank it up, Sister Judy. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Will he sought me and he bought me with his rebeaming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Would you give the Lord a good hand this morning? Thank you, David. Thank you, David. You may be seated. I had to get that off of my chest. And I thank you for... Paul said, bear with me a little of my folly. Bear with me in my little disorganized self here. So good to see you today. And I'll tell you, in spite of COVID, you can have the victory. 
We have groups of people out today because of COVID. Some have COVID and some have been exposed to COVID, so they're not here today. I'm glad you're here. It's so good to have our guests with us today, and we appreciate you coming and being with us. And so we're excited about what God is doing. We're seeing some wonderful things happen through and by the power and the anointing of God. That song said that they sung, Welcome, Holy Spirit. Would you like to welcome the Holy Spirit? Bow your heads with us. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, dear God, because we know that you're in this place. Not only, Lord, that we thank you because you're here, but we pray that your Holy Spirit and your power and your anointing would be manifested. May it be realized in this place today. Move mightily by your Spirit through your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalms chapter 2 says it this way. Why? Do the nations raise? Why do the Gentiles throng tumultuously? That's what it says. And the people plot a vain thing, worthless and empty thing. This is a psalm of David and how that they really mistreated him and thought of him. But deeper than that, it's a psalm of uh, the Messiah. And he goes on, second chapter, and he says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, against the Messiah, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And then verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision when God laughs. Now our society, our culture, our nation, the leaders may think that they have the world by the tail. And they think that they're going to do away with Christianity. But God didn't even stand up. He just sits down and laughs. He knows what. Listen, it is wonderful to know that God is sovereign this morning. What does that word sovereign mean? It means in control. God's in control. God it means is ruling. Look at the introduction. Even though the world scene looks as if God has been on an extended vacation, David shows us that God's plans have not failed and shall not fail. Let me say it again. It has never failed and it will never fail. Everything is under his sovereign control, and he will ultimately triumph in his ordained time. That's shouting words there, folks. If you're a believer, 
And you can see what's going on in the world today, especially here in America. If you can see it today and understand it's going to turn out the way God says it's going to turn out. And people can shake their fists in the face of God, but they will not prevail. Thus David appeals to the rebellious nations to bow before the Almighty God while they still have time. Psalms 2, the wicked meditates, and that means devising or plots, on how to cast off the rule of God. They do that. They want to cast it off. Did you know that this Psalms, that Psalms chapter 2, is the most frequent, frequently quoted Psalms in the New Testament? Over and over, especially in the book of Acts, over and over again, it is quoted. Why? Let me ask you something this morning. You answer it in your own way. Why do the heathen, the nations, the rulers, the leaders rage. What's going on? What's going on? The nations have rebelled against God, and we find that in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Just as these kings rebelled against King David, so all men have rebelled against King Jesus. Satan is the author of rebellion. Men follow Satan in the rebellion that he has established. It started with Adam and Eve as they joined with the devil to disobey God. And ever since then, mankind in his sinful state rebels against God. We have here human and enmity and folly. I'm going to say this several times this morning probably. The gospel offends the pride of men. <laughs> it is in vain and a worthless and empty thing for a man to think he may cast away God's cord of love and enjoy liberty and enjoy prosperity. You can't do it. And that's what America is trying to do today. She's trying to live a life without God. Bible reading and prayer has been taken not only out of the schools, but has been ruled out of the public square. And man thinks he's going to survive and make it, but it won't happen. Now, one of the things that is very interesting to me is the two incidents that I want to bring to you this morning in the book of Acts. First of all, in Acts chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. And about that time, there arose a great commotion, a great disturbance, a blow-up, and the Bible, one translation says, concerning Christianity. And the intolerance and the indifference that's happening in America today is because of Christianity. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Listen to me. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, 
You know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and you hear that not only at Ephesus, and this is where Paul was, but throughout, throughout almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are no gods which are made by hands. I'd say amen to that. We have a lot of gods. When I was in India, there were millions and millions of gods on display. But there's only one God, capital G-O-D. Can you say amen? Do not only, I'm saying, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of failing into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia, Asia and the world worships. Now listen to Demetrius, because you hear that loud and clear in America and in the world today. You know what? We make money. By making these gods and selling them. In fact, they made a lot of money. And he says, we're about to go out of business because of this man, Paul. But not only that, but listen at me. Not only that, but it's discredited Diana, this great goddess. Listen at me. Demetrius, a silversmith, made silver shrines of Diana. It brought him no small profit. This man, Paul, had persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't gods at all. We are about to lose our income. Now, he gave two reasons here. Now, I want you to follow this. He said, first of all, we're about to lose our income. Second of all, they're turning people against this great Diana. But you know the real cause of his anger was because of this right here. Well, he, he said, well, we want to keep this Diana going and we want her to be honored. But he was upset because he was about to lose money. You know what the problem in America is today? People are upset because of this right here. Oh, they'll say something else. They'll use some kind of excuse. And they say concerning the conservative Christian that we, let's see what some of the things that they say. We're hate mongers. You and I are intolerant bigots. They say we are racist. But I believe this morning that America has become a nation of intolerance. And if there's anything that's at the blunt of what they say and what they do, it's Christianity. They don't like it. I read something the other day and I want to read it again. Demetrius. 
Let me read it again. The gospel offends the pride of men by considering them all on a level as sinners in the sight of God and by proposing only one way of salvation. They don't like you, they don't like for you to say that Jesus is the way. In fact, that Jesus Christ is the only way without admitting any difference of plea or character. It offends them likewise by its strictness. You're narrow-minded. You're judgmental. Not getting many amens, but it's true today. We see it every day of our lives. Like Herod, they might. Let me skip that. And therefore, they are much displeased with the gospel, which by affording no allowance, or at least known sin, when Paul preached at Ephesus, follow me now, stay with me. When Paul preached at Ephesus, Demetrius and his companions perceived that their craft was in danger. This was the real cause of their anger, but they were ashamed to avow it, and therefore, the ostensible uh, reason for opposing him was of a religious kind. They blamed it on religion. But it was really because they were missing the money that they were about, that they supposed to make. And they professed a great concern for the honor of Diana. Few craftsmen, but a pretended regard Few, perhaps rather, would have given themselves much trouble, trouble to promote or preserve the gain of the craftsman. Others, what he's saying, they wouldn't have cared that much for them making money off of the craftsman. That was fine. But they got excited about people turning away from this goddess, Diana. And that's the way the world is today. They feign one thing, say one thing. But then, of course, it is something else. Why do the heathen rage? Why do the nations plot? Listen at this. The institutes of Christianity, as contained in the New Testament, exhibit good moral. Why would they sow against Jesus Christ? Acts tells us that he went around doing good. And you and I follow his ministry and follow his actions in Mark in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we find that he healed the sick. He raised the dead. Gave them back to the hurting souls. Jesus Christ never did harm anybody. All he did was good. And why are they against the Christian? Why are they against the church today? Why are they against you and I today? Because all we do is good. Now, some Christians, you know, supposed to be Christians, may hate. But I'm here to tell you today that God Almighty knows where we are. He knows what we need. And we're standing out against the enemy that would like to destroy none other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why did they hate him? Why did they hate you? Why do they hate Christianity? It's because, let me say it again, the gospel offends the pride of man. Can you say amen? Now, let me go to another occasion in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Let me bring you to where we are in Acts chapter 4. Most of us that have studied the book of Acts knows that in Acts chapter 3, Peter 
and John went up to the temple to pray. There was a lame man there, the Bible says, that was a, a lame from his mother's womb. In other words, he was born that way. And he was brought to the gate beautiful and laid there each day. And just a great story how Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given to thee. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And this lame man was totally healed. And then after that, Peter began to preach. And he preached a powerful message. Read it. It's in the book of the third chapter of the book of Acts. Now let's go, if you will, to Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, annoyed that they had taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And what had they done? Murdered someone? Offended someone? Immoral people? No. They had simply prayed for a crippled man and he was healed. And Peter preached the gospel. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Amen. God's in the saving business. The Peter preached a message and 5,000 people were saved. But the religious leaders, the leaders of that day, were highly offended because of the sermon and because of what was said. Now, there is uh, more to this chapter and if you would allow me, I want to tell you what this church did. You say, Pastor, how are we going to deal with all that's going on? With all the intolerance, with all the opposition. Stay with me, with you? Now, when they saw the bonus and Peter and John stood up and, and, uh, and then verse 13 of Acts 4. Now, when they saw the bonus of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. When we go out into our culture today and our society today, we go to work, we go to school, does people realize that you have been with Jesus? And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident. And to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, it's time for the church to allow the power of God to change people's lives. To see miracle after miracle. I believe in miracles. I hope you do. To see God perform miracle in people's eyes. And they said we can't deny it. It's evident. And to all them who dwell in Jerusalem. But so that it spreads no further among the people. 
Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no man in his name. You're talking about council culture. They want to shut you up. They want to stop you. I, I, I picked up a couple of articles about uh, some things that have gone on recently. Some of the faithful have paid expenses unexpected prices for their beliefs lately. The teacher in New Jersey, a teacher, was suspended for giving a student a Bible. Council culture. The football coach in Washington was placed on leave for saying a prayer on the field at the end of the game. Council culture. The fire chief in Atlanta was fired for self-publishing a book defending Christian moral teaching. Wow. The Marine court-martialed for passing a, I'm sorry, pasting a Bible verse above her desk. And there are a lot of examples of people that have been mistreated because just for the gospel's sake. Are we going to run and hide? They didn't. These men didn't. But Peter and John answered, verse 19, and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak. Say it, Brother Don, it's great. For we cannot but speak the things which have been seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Look at verse 22. For the man was over 40 years old, of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, now what would we do? Run scared? Get in isolation? Go to this one and that and then grumble and complain. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Verse 24. So then they heard that. When they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, I love this prayer. Follow me, would you? And said, Lord, you're God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, and here it is, they're quoting, these apostles are quoting Psalms 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Let me tell you, Washington or whoever, they can plot things all they want to, but their plotting is vain. Can you say amen? amen? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That's what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ. You can say God you can even say, Lord, but don't mention the name of Jesus Christ because it, it just stirs them up. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, this is their prayer, who you anointed both 
Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, now, Lord, <laughs> look on their threats. Look on what's happening in America today. Look on what people are saying. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Isn't that a great sentence? Isn't that a great verse? Lord, look on us today. Help us to go in courage. Help us to go in boldness. May the church rise up as one. And stand with all kind of bonus today. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. God shake this church. God shake the church. God pour out your spirit. Help us to stand without flinching. Help us to be bold against the enemy that would try to cancel you out. How many of you are glad you can't counsel Jesus? How many of you are glad you can't counsel people praying? How many are you glad that you can't counsel hope and God's goodness and God's love? You can't counsel it out. Let me say it again. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all went out to eat. Huh? Did I miss it? And they all started dancing. No. They all were filled. This one says Holy Spirit. One translation says, and I love it, they're both the same. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. The church is afraid of the Holy Ghost. But the church, the real church, needs to allow the Holy Ghost be front and center in the services, front and center in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God. How? They didn't tiptoe through the tulips. They didn't run away and hide. They spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. That's what the church needs. It needs a, a, a powerful unity, a coming together, a praying together. That's the reason we've been praying for over 21 years on, uh, at, at a church on, uh, oh my God, <laughs> 9th Street. Thank you, Carol. On 9th Street. We've been praying there. And Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterians, oh yeah, Pentecostals, and all kind come and pray. And we pray to one God. And we pray in faith. Believe the church needs to come together. The multitude of those who believe were all one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost will do away with selfishness. 
It'll do away with pride. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, now in. And with great power. Say great power. Great power. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Let's clap for that scripture. Come on. Good place to clap. Good place to clap. Clap. God wants us to understand that there is joy and power and boldness in serving him. So I'm closing with, first of all, the nations have rebelled against God. We see the riot in Ephesus, and we find out the reason the riot took place. We see the hostility toward the early church in Acts chapter 4. Notice God is sovereign. Can you see, man? He doesn't even get up from his throne to deal with the vain schemes of rebellious people. God's laughter shows a folly of rebelling against him. And in supreme contempt, God mocks them. I don't want God, the God of heaven and earth. I don't want almighty God, the sovereign God, to mock me. That's what the Amplified says. In derision, he shall laugh at them. In wrath, he shall speak to them, if you go through those verses. And in his sore displeasure, he shall vex them. You think man's going to have the last word? Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin. God Almighty is going to have the last word. The potentates, the rulers, those that think they're in charge, they're not going to have the last word but God. And I'm ending the resurrection of Christ. Is God's derisive answer to the rage and hatred of men against his son. That's something that they could not fight against. And that's what they hate. His brother mad in them come, and that's what they come out against when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. When you say that we stand with Jesus Christ, when you name the name of Jesus Christ, but he's alive. He's just as much alive today as he was in the book of Acts. And the church, the church needs to grasp this truth. When the enemy comes against you, when the nations rage, when man don't like you because of the stand that you take, no matter, no matter, God gives you favor. I've told this story more than one time, but it's, it's, it's so real to me. I worked many years ago, well over 50 years ago, with a young man. And he was a very angry man. He was a big fella. He didn't like me. He didn't like the stand that I took for Jesus. We worked together, just he and I working together. 
He would go for hours. He wouldn't speak to me. One day he told me, he said, Don, I'll take you to the back of the store and I'll beat you up. And he meant it. But you know, I still witnessed Jesus to him. I still told him about the love of Jesus Christ. I still reported about the blood and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It wasn't long the Lord called me to preach and I lost contact with Norman. But years later, I received a call from his Canada, his wife. And she said, Brother Don Norman is calling for you. He wants you to come. So I went to his house and he was, he was lying on his deathbed. And he looked up at me and he said, Don, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I'm dying. I want you to preach my funeral. Let me tell you, God knows how to turn things around. Don't let people intimidate you. Don't let them lie about you and you receive that. They're going to lie about you. But you stop receiving that. You stop letting that get in your spirit. Refuse to believe those lies. I refuse to believe the lies that the devil is speaking out against the church today. Because the church is God's ordained means to reach the lost in our society today. And let them fume. Let them fuss. Let the leaders be angry. And let your, the people around you be angry at the stand that you take. And you know what? You know what makes them angry? It's because when you come to Jesus Christ, God switches a light on in you. You've been, you're a light. And the Bible says we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And light has no fellowship with darkness. And they don't like that. Darkness, when, it, when a person's in darkness and light comes, it hurts their eyes. And that's what's happening to people. They don't like that light. But you continue to believe God. Continue to stand for God. And just like the Lord turned Norman Kennedy around. And I was able to preach his funeral. And love his family. And show love to his children. Years after I preached that funeral. It was before 1997. Because I was in the fellowship, fellowship hall. And I was doing some work in the fellowship hall. The door opened, Brother Gerald, a young man stepped in. And he came up to me. He said, you don't know me. I said, no, I don't. He said, I'm Norman Canada's son. And I've just finished my schooling to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of that comes a great testimony for Jesus. And that young man, I don't know, I haven't heard from him since. But that young man was called to the ministry out of all that stuff. And the devil will try to discourage you and make you think, I'm not getting anywhere with this person. All they're doing is being bitter and angry. Well, let me tell you, God will turn it around. If God Almighty can touch Nebuchadnezzar, and bring him to his knees.
and make him recognize the God of the universe. He can touch your coworker. He can touch your loved one. He can touch them. And he can change their life. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. Don't give in to that spirit of intolerance. You bigot. You're not a bigot. God's people love. God's people help people. God's people give. Yes, my friend, you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But first of all, you must submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time we have together. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, we come against the enemy. Lord, we pray against COVID today. We pray against the enemy that has a stronghold on this nation that speaks evil against Christianity, that speaks evil against Christians. And Lord, we pray for every member of this church. We pray for every attender of this church. And we ask you, dear God, that you would give them holy boldness. If you're sitting next to someone and you feel comfortable doing it, or just maybe you could put your, your hand on the pew in front of you. But I want you to do something as a means to receive from God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, reach out and take someone by the hand or reach up and take hold of the pew. It's a simple thing, but... It's a point of contact right now. Lord, we pray that every believer sitting in this place, standing in this place today, would be filled with holy boldness. God, I pray that the characteristics of the early church would be prominent in our church today, in Bethel Christian Center. May, dear God, you move in this church. Yes, your spirit is here. Your presence is here. But God, I want to see it manifested. I want to see people saved, born again, confessing their sins. I want to see people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for that. Come on, right now, agree with me. We pray, dear God, that... There will be people born again, receiving the baptism and speaking the word of God with boldness. In Jesus, Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Keep your ears in tune with God. Your heart in tune with God. Listen to what he says. Stop, listen to, stop listening to the world. Listen, it's time for the church to stop listening to all the things that people are saying. And one of the best ways to do it is turn off your television. One of the best ways to do it is stay before the Lord in your secret place. One of the best ways to do it is have some sila time, quiet time. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going we're gonna to believe God. We're going to believe his word. Believe the word, not what people are saying. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. Is everybody clear? All minds and hearts clear.
I don't say that often. But I just want the Holy Spirit to be fully, fully free in people's lives in this place today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace. That taught my heart to fear and grace my fears release. Sing it out. How precious that grace appeared the hour I first sing that last stanza and we'll go home when we've been there you ever want when we've been there Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship, not only with one another, but we are with your Holy Spirit. We thank you for being in this place today. And God, we're not going to dismiss your presence from us. Go with each one. Keep your hand upon each one. Give protection. Give traveling grace. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. have a good day.